It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz for the 7th of December. The Jazz were brilliant against the Rockets. We'll break it all down. What Rudy Gobert has now done to himself, the brilliant play of Exum favors Anudo, the game plan, and more. Plus, uh, points gained Friday. A jam pack locked on Jazz coming up. Pow! How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers. You can get it on your Apple Podcasts or any of your other podcatchers. Thanks for everybody who must have written new reviews and listened this week because we've been sitting on top of the uh, or in the Apple Podcast rankings all week, which is a stupid little numeric system that all of us care way too much about. They're in podcasting. I, I owe an apology before I start. We'll get into this win. It was totally awesome. Uh, if you really want to get hyped, Jack, Jake Snelson goes bananas today on Jazz Game Rewind, uh, and you can get it. I blew it. I did a Shamrock Auto uh, ad this week, and I was I was really not supposed to do an ad for Shamrock Auto. Rob Taylor had emailed me. And asked me, instead of his ad, if I could mention this a family who have three boys with muscular dystrophy. We don't usually do this. We have generally decided that we would not do charities on the podcast, not because I'm not charitable, just because I thought it'd be never-ending. However, Rob really specifically asked me if we might be able to help out. Uh, Mark Honey uh, is this individual who has three sons. And they all have muscular dystrophy, 15, 13, and 12. I mean, it's it's an unbelievable story. Um, and it's it's a bit, uh, I mean, oh, frankly, as a father, it's a bit overwhelming. And so Rob had asked me to, instead of advertising Shamrock Auto this week, if I could please promote um, their story um, and the fundraising efforts uh, that they have going on. And I, of course, didn't do it. And Rob, to his commitment, completely emailed me and said, hey, dude, what about that? So, my bad. Um, I will uh, uh, send out, there's there's an online fundraiser going on, um, and they've already gained about, raised, uh, as of the LDS Living article, about $14,500. Um, and, and so I wanted to just make sure I got that out there. Uh, LDSliving.com, how a community is lifting a Latter-day Saint family, three boys with muscular dystrophy. I'm sure if you do a little Google search on it, it's really just, I'm, I'm, I read it this morning. It, wow. Um, and there's a uh, GoFundMe uh, campaign. Shamrock Auto has really um, has done a lot of work. They've agreed to customize a vehicle with a mechanical lift and other needs for safety. So Rob's really spearheading this. So, all right. So, uh so if you get a chance, check out the article if you can um, and feel comfortable donating. Um, that's not something I really wanted, want to become a part of our show um, and all of that. But I do want you to do that. So the GoFundMe.com help dash the honeys dash or help dash the honeys. Let me try that again. GoFundMe is help dash 
the dash honeys dash for dash the dash holidays. That's the page that they've that the Shamrock Auto's built up. Um, help the honeys for the holidays. GoFundMe. Um, so anyway, I wanted to get that. All right, let's get right to it. Thank you, Rob. My bad. A little longer show because of that. Um, what a win last night. That is as good. I was trying to look through it last. I think that's as good a regular season performance as I've seen. Rockets perspective quickly. They had played really good basketball in 10 of their last 12 quarters. Uh, the feeling was that they had clicked in. That they uh, had fallen flat in the fourth quarter in Minnesota because of the fact that they were playing three games in four nights. Chris Paul was coming off the hamstring, but that otherwise they really clicked in and were ready to go. And so the feeling was that these guys were ready. In fact, I said to Ron before the game started, I think we're in trouble. I think these, these guys are back. The opposite was true. Uh, two minutes and 47 seconds into the game, Rudy Gobert gets ejected, and the Jazz put together a gritty performance that uh, you just have to be a bit blown away by how great they were. The offensive rating, run through the numbers quickly, the offensive rating on the night was a 117. That's our seventh best offensive game of the year. Three of our last four games have now been elite high-level offensive games. Uh, Six of our last or excuse me, four of our last seven games have now been elite, high-level offensive games. Uh, that's encouraging. Uh, is fatigue becoming to be less of a part of things? We won one. We won one of those, lost to Miami in the other. Uh, but the offense, which had been really dreadful, and I had said numerous times, was much more concerning to me, has now been very good. What's nice about last night is we did it on eight of thirty-two shooting from three. The defense last night was the second best defensive performance of the year. Was equally as elite as it was against Brooklyn, which is equally elite as it was against the Lakers. That Laker game was a changer. We went down and played the Lakers after. Losing to Sacramento, and when we all got back out on the plane, LeBron took over late, but everybody felt like on our way to Sacramento something had changed. I think that's turning out to be true. Uh, and the key thing the Jazz are not doing is giving up as many fast break points. Last night, it ended up that the Rockets, by the end, ended up with 13.6% of their points as fast break. Oh, no, that's us. Ended up with... Um, with that, let me uh, let me look at the Rockets. The Rockets ended up with under 10%, and when we allow under 10% of the opponent's possessions to be or points to be fast break points our defense has been great this year that is really um kind of a little bit of a bellwether for us right now is whether if we have if we do last night was four point listen to these numbers last night was 4.4 san antonio's 1.9 um Miami was 4.9. Charlotte was 11.7. We weren't great defensively that night. 8.8% uh, of all points by Brooklyn. We're seeing, and prior, earlier this year, we allowed Memphis to just run by us. 22% uh, of their points were fast break points. Toronto at 18%. I mean, there was really a feeling when we lost to Sacramento, who had 12% of their points as fast break points, that the league had changed, had gotten too fast, and that the Jazz defense, I mean, that was not just me. I mean, I got on the plane, walking onto the plane with people talking about, it. holy smokes, has the league changed? Has something gone on here? Are we, are we in serious, serious trouble that we can't keep up defensively? defensively and get the, the clamps in defensively or was it unique to who we were playing now we have not played a lot of stretch fives and all that kind of stuff that causes problems in the year we we had a weird sequence of events in which we played a lot of those teams all at once but nonetheless you know the defense was just great last night and kept had a game specific game plan kept the rockets 
in the half court, didn't let them get out and run. And then the shot distribution that the Jazz defense had last night was remarkable. And this is now two games in a row. The Spurs only had 16 shots at the rim against the Jazz. And they have changed the way Rudy Gobert is playing the pick and roll. And last night, Derek Favors executed it. The most amazing part to me about the Jazz performance last night is that the entire game plan was built based on Rudy Gobert in the middle, how they were dealing with Harden, getting up on his body, forcing him to drive, not letting him have a step back three. If he drove by you, it was basically okay because Rudy was going to be the next guy there. And the Jazz did a unbelievable job without Rudy Gobert. Uh, last night, the Rockets went 12 of 26 shooting at the rim. That's the second best defensive rim outing of the year. Only Brooklyn uh, defensively was better. Only 26 shots at the rim. The last, the Jazz early this year. Uh, New Orleans, 34 shots at the rim. Dallas, 37 shots at the rim. Nuggets, 33. We're really tired that game. 31. Boston, 31. Indiana, 36. Lakers, 32. Sacramento, 30. Last few games. Indiana, I know we lost, but 26. Brooklyn, 26. Miami, 24 shots at the rim. San Antonio, 16. Houston, 12 or 26 last night, and the Jazz defending it beautifully. And instead, all of a sudden, there's these a huge amount of paint, non-restricted area twos, a bunch of mid-range shots, things that really are the signature to who the Jazz are. And teams are still making those at a somewhat inordinately high number, 44% in the paint, non-restricted, and 43% on mid-range shots. That will eventually fall. I, 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 I promise you it will fall. Uh, and I've really rested my entire reputation on this fact. Um, so last night the Rockets missed a bunch of shots, but also – the, the Jazz defense was there. Offensively, the Jazz didn't shoot it well last night. They were 4 of 23 on above the break threes. And they still had an incredible offensive night because they shot 36 shots at the rim. 29 of them they made 81% of shots at the rim. They didn't have a good mid-range game because those numbers even out. Um, and they had a good corner three game, hitting four of eight on corner threes, but just four of 23 on above the break threes. So the Jazz really, last night, just to me, had the most impressive performance they've had all year, somewhat because of Rudy's um, ejection, but also just the level of detail, concentration. Um, the I think it might be the first time all year other than uh, in New Orleans where our performance was both top 10 for, our, for the season offensively and defensively. Uh, I think New Orleans was the other one where we won by 21, really were great that night. Anthony Davis didn't play. Um, we are, that's our fifth best offensive night and our eighth best defense. But last night was was really was really brilliant. Uh, so the, the other part of this, and I don't want to take anything away from the players. I always get nervous when you compliment the coaching staff uh, because it somehow implies that any players could do it, and that's not true. But a lot of what we saw last night was, frankly, Quinn Snyder spending an entire summer trying to figure out how to beat the Rockets. Like, I'm sure he worried about the Warriors, and I'm sure he worried about the other teams. But specifically to the Rockets switching defense that caused the Jazz so many problems in the playoffs, and that Quinn, for you know, you know if you remember, Quinn put in a game plan um, for game, in Game 2 that was really brilliant and caused a lot of problems for the Rockets, and then the Rockets just held the crap out of the Jazz in games three, four, and five. The Jazz literally at shoot-around yesterday ran a drill where the big guys were running through being held by coaches to exemplify to the players the level of force by which they had to play with last night. 
Um, they did a lot of other things at shoot around yesterday that were really pretty fascinating. And the level of detail and game plan on Chris Paul and on James Harden. So there, there was a lot to – and Alex Jensen deserves a huge amount of credit here as well. He has had the Rockets scout for, I think, four straight seasons. So the Jazz have now played them in a playoff series, have played them once already this year, have played them seven times in their last 30-whatever games. They've, they had a specific plan. I got a text from Matt Bullard last night that, wow, we couldn't run anything or get anything. There is a huge amount to last night that is uh, some, somewhat credit uh, to coaching. All right, we'll talk about Rudy Gobert and what he's now done to himself and his reputation around the league and what happened last night, as well as the three guys that I really want to zero in as heroes uh, last night on what was an incredibly group effort by everybody. Okay, I am driving the brand new 2019 Santa Fe, which is way nicer than the one my son drives. I got to point that out. I'm feeling like I got my, my car manhood back. How do they do these technology things? So I told you, this is where Hyundai's so cool because they have all these technology things. And maybe everyone's used to this and I just never had new cars. So I don't know. Okay, so I told you about the backseat car, the safety car thing where if a kid's in the back of the car and goes to open the, before he goes to open the, there's a sensor that reads whether there's an oncoming traffic and will vacuum pack the door closed so the kid's safe. Like, that's incredible. Here's the one that was amazing to me last night. And maybe all of you have already experienced these things. I don't know. My brights, I didn't even know I could do this. I turned on my brights last night driving home at 1 o'clock in the morning from the arena, and they were on automatic. They, they were on automatic so that they recognized when a car was coming toward me, they turned off. But how do they tell the difference between that and, like, a street light? How do they tell the difference between that and... Like, a, I don't know. It's so totally cool that they're able to tell the difference between these things. The technology on this car is amazing. It's got the, all the standard stuff. So the cruise control um, set, the register, holds your speed based on the traffic around you, the lane assist, all these things. Like, I barely even touched the wheel last night on the drive home. Well, it occasionally notified me that I had to touch the wheel. Um and so, therefore, I, um, I did. But it is so cool. Anyway, 2019 Santa Fe. Um, check it out. The, it's, it's really quite awesome. And it's at Murdoch Hyundai at 4646 South State Street. I got, I got a little too, too excited there. I had to, it's, like, it's like excited as I get about the Bud's Like Cookie, which is what I need to tell you about as well. Um, that is awesome. Um, I was going to go ski snowboard for a few hours today, but I don't think I'm going to make it. And I sometimes think I'm, I schedule my ski days just so I can stop by the store. Uh, Friday is June Pie Day. So the pork tomatilla, the turkey leftover, all the great June pies are in at the store at 6200 South and 20th East. Stop by and check it out. There's a brand new com- uh, kombucha bar as well as a uh, cold brew bar if you're into the coffee and kombucha stuff uh the all your holiday needs are there the back it's got the great meats that they've all uh set up and, and sampled for you the frozen meals are off to the left with their super pot pies if you're looking for a fun winter night grab the pot pies it's uh as well it's all at the store at 6200 south 20th east that's 6200 south and 20th east i'm i'm kind of way too fired up today I haven't had, like, crazy coffee. I went to bed, got the kids off to school, and then I, I will admit I went back to sleep So maybe that, um, and got an extra hour of sleep, so maybe that's giving me a little extra juice today. Um, I'm not entirely sure what's causing, causing it, but I certainly have a lot of juice right now uh, going. 
I, I am so – I can't even figure out which of these three guys I want to start with. Do I want to start with Derek Favors? Do I want to start with Epe Udo? Or do I want to start with Dante Exum? Let's start with Derek. We talked yesterday on the show a ton about the fact that the defense has to be better when Derek's at the five. But we also, I also tried to bring up that the numbers are so wacky right now with the offensive numbers with Derek. Maybe it's a case of Derek not getting to play with the best players. Right? I don't know, but maybe it is a case of Derek not playing with the best players because Derek deserves a tremendous amount of credit for what he did last night. The Rockets came in the league 27th in the league in defensive rebound. They came in the league 30th in defensive rebounding over the last 10 games. And Derek was a beast last night. An absolute beast. And he dominated the offensive glass. I just told you the numbers on the on what they shot at the rim. Harden and Paul saw Rudy go out of the game and were like, great, particularly Harden. And then completely denied by Derek Favors around the rim. He just came with a professionalism and an approach that was amazing. Um, <clears throat> and the defensive rating last night with Derek on the floor in his 26 minutes was a 90.9, 90.6. And then there's Epe Udo, who might be the most favorite player on the entire team. Well, now that Alec has been traded, he probably is the most popular player on the team. I mean... Truly adored. I think Joe had a nice tweet last night about him. These guys um, is just a pro. And you go back to the Culture Code interviews I did with all these guys, and when I asked Epe, who was the guy that uplifts the room and gives everyone the energy, Epe said him. Epe understands his role. He's embraced what who he is as a player and understands that he is um, an elite defensive player who is absolutely uh, probably capable of playing, and that's just not entirely what he gets on this. And when he's been asked whether it was the win in Boston last year or last night, he's been ready every time. I think it's really an interesting question of whether he actually could play 12 minutes a night, every night, hold his body together, and be useful because he was great last night. He got switched three times on Chris Paul one-on-one, and Chris Paul didn't beat him, which is a statement on both sides, by the way. That should be the most disturbing three-play sequence of the Rockets. Uh, Locked on Rockets, Ben DeBose is really good. It might be an interesting show to listen to today. Uh, so those two guys, I just, I cannot give um, enough credit to Epe and enough credit. Faves grabbed 22% of the available offensive rebounds last night himself. That is so big. He was so good last night. And then there's Dante. And this is actually a two-way street because this is Quinn too. So we go to shoot-around yesterday, and Dante's one of the ten guys in shoot-around for the first time in five games. When we were wherever it was, when Dante was suddenly taken out of the rotation um, after Brooklyn or Charlotte, and we go through shoot-around, Dante's, it's like it's, so when you go through shoot-around, there's ten guys going through shoot-around. Like, the other guys are there, but they're standing on the side. So Epe stands 
on the side every single shoot around except for actually last some of the time he'll play the backup center and Derek will play the when Derek plays the four and then so Tabo often is not a participating in shoot around because you're you're not always doing the ten right guy thing because because Epe will play the backup center to Rudy in shoot around um in and and so you kind of work through that. Anyway, last night, yesterday, Dante's in shoot around. That was the first sign that, like, Quinn saying to Dante, like, I know you haven't been in the rotation, but I need you tonight. And Dante, total pro, great sign of growth, absolutely embraced it and was brilliant. And the reason Quinn needed Dante last night was because the two skills that Dante brings to the table that are elite, I say this about Dante all the time, you never watch him and doubt that he was the fifth pick of the draft. There's never any question of why Dante was the fifth pick of an NBA draft when you watch him. You see it within 30 seconds, maybe less, of every single time he ever plays. The talent is just jumps off the screen or off the court if you're watching in person. Last night, you needed somebody who could be an on-ball defender to some of the best on-ball guys in the league or play one-on-one because the Rockets play 17% of their possessions in isolation. So schemes and things like that go out the window. You need absolutely someone who can handle guarding their yard. And Dante's as good as anyone at that. In the playoffs last year, he was brilliant. And so Quinn Snyder turns back to Dante. The second thing is the Rockets' defensive system forces you into playing 16% of your possessions as in isolation as well. And so now you need somebody offensively who's going to be able to go beat people. Kyle Korver stretches the floor and does fabulous things, but the Rockets switch every single pick. So Kyle's not getting free off picks or running people around because he's just switching. He's going to have a hard time getting open. I don't think he scored last night in 14 minutes. And so Dante suddenly brings a different aspect to the game. Point guard is a little bit of a different position last night as well because you're not setting up the offense and moving it. So this is just a brilliant read by Quinn, and this is – absolutely Dante at all of his best skill sets. And I almost wonder if we're going to see Quinn start to use Neto and Exum and some of these guys off the bench based on their skills in the matchup and rotating. He's been talking about doing it all year. Um, Some of the guys haven't actually performed well enough and consistently enough for that to actually work and to happen the way Quinn, I think, envisioned everyone playing at their peak that you might have a night where you need shooting, so Grayson plays and Royce doesn't and other things like that, and it just hasn't happened that everybody has been so good, Or and now you're beginning to get some separation as Royce plays really brilliantly um, and hitting the three and, and doing all the things he's doing really well right now and defending as well. And so Dante last night defensively was just exquisite and offensively completely blew by the Houston Rockets and a lot of those guys on the Rockets have an age that starts with three and they looked it last night. He would come around the pick and roll and Nene was sitting still and just blow by him. And Chris Paul could not handle him and the Rockets looked slow when Dante was on the floor last night. He was just absolutely that good in everything he was doing uh, last night. It was really pretty... um, it was pretty darn awesome. And I loved the fact that we had that type of performance from Dante on that night. So those three guys really were stars last night and deserve a huge credit um, in their performance. I, I, and, and it's neat. Like, there's a funny thing here, and where I, and I'm going to share on a personal level. Like, 
So last yesterday on the podcast, someone asked about Dante, and I finally just kind of said, all right, you, you've got to own that you're shooting 33% for the field and 20% from three. Like, you just have to own that. Like, and so then I, you know, and I would say that to Dante, frankly. Like, there's nothing that I say on this show that I wouldn't say to these guys in, in person. But I'm rooting. I like them all personally. They're very good to me. They're very nice. I'm, I'm so old that I really view them as like a cousin or a kid of mine. Like really, frankly, um, very much in the realm of, uh, of Derek, I almost see as my child. Like I really do. Like I've known him for so long and I'm so old. Um, and I root for them in that fashion. So, like, when I'm on the show talking about the fact that Derek's defense as the center has to be better and that Dante has to own these things, like, I'm trying to be not subjective and give you guys some insight, whereas I really very easily could just talk about how great these guys are all the time because they're that good of people. I see how hard they're working, and I'm rooting for them all the time. And so it's so cool to drive home last night and think about like what Dante's been through as a human being for the last little period of time and the pressure he has. And Dante's going through a lot. Like Dante at some point has to make a transition from being the fifth pick of a draft and all those expectations into just figuring out how he's going to be a viable NBA player. That's a big, that's a big moment. Derek has gone through all of the various elements of jealousy that other people got paid and he didn't to jealousy that other people getting time and he's not jealousy that other people getting headlines and he's not that are all natural that we'd all go through and fought through all of them to just be the best person he can be and father of three kids. It's really cool. And then there's Epe who you just have to adore because he's so bright and so interesting and so fun and at shoot around yesterday he's defending Kyle Korver on a switch because they're preparing for the Rockets and he forces Korver to miss and he yells, that's what I do! And everyone laughs because it's Epe and like it's Epe but it's also showed you that Epe was like taking that moment of shoot around as seriously possibly could because that it because in his mind all likelihood that was the moment that Epe was going to help the Jazz the most was at shoot-around on that day. Little did he know that Rudy was going to get ejected um, with little time left in the game, uh, early in the game, and have that experience. All right, we'll do uh, points gained and Rudy Gobert coming up. But that, I just I don't know if what my point was there other than I'm just rooting for these guys, and I try to do my best job personally to answer to you guys what's going on with these guys and on the court. But, boy, it is wonderful when they have nights like last night. And, uh, it, is, it, and it might have a big impact on this team. Um, I think there's a big impact on Donovan that he wasn't very good last night and the team was fine. I think that's an important uh, moment for Donovan uh, as well. I think it relieves some of the pressure that Donovan has been feeling all the time. Homey is a real estate company whose mission is to save customers thousands in commission when you buy or sell a home by utilizing technology to make the process efficient, a team of agents to make the process easy. They help you list and sell your homes to avoid high fees, commissions, the traditional real estate agents, and avoid the hassle of sale by owner. The way they do it is Homey charges a flat fee, uh, $199 to list and $1,299 at close. On average, Homey customers save over $10,000. Homey is not just an app. There are the people of Homey as well. Mike, 
Peregrina is one of Homie's founders. He grew up in South Central Los Angeles in a tough neighborhood before moving to Vegas. He worked hard finishing his degree and got a break in investment banking and private equity. Worked on large mergers, acquisitions, a variety of industries before he decided to start Homie's own experience in real estate during the difficult crash of 2017 is what seeded the idea of Homie. He knew there was a better way for customers could take control of buying and selling homes and save thousands of dollars in ridiculous commissions. His nickname is Hustle because he works tirelessly and fulfilled the mission of Homie to save homeowners even more. That's Mike Peregrina of Homie. The people of Homie. Check out Homie.com and if you use the promo code LOCK you get $100 off your listing fee of $199. That's promo code LOCK at Homie.com Looking for the perfect gift for the hunter, the ski racing father, the whatever Action Heat has got it for you. Action Heat is a clothing engineered safely and efficiently to deliver heat via heating panels similar to a heated car seat. They can reach temperatures up to 135, which seems really hot, or powered by five or rechargeable five volt lithium ion battery. I love the fact that I can charge my um, I could charge my phone as well. They come in these gorgeous packages. I have um, a sleeve here, and then they have a special wash bag for you. They've really it is a very well done product and a cool gift if you're looking for. Something. I have the Action Heat shirt right in front of me. It's a little heavier than your natural shirt. You could be wearing it as your undergarment for skiing or hiking or hunting or whatever it is, and you can feel it. You got little panels in there, like the same way that your car, that your seat does in your car, that are heated. The socks. I really have a hard time figuring out why these are able to work so well. They feel absolutely the same as my regular socks, and yet they've got little heating things in them. Uh, they've got a little spot for the battery up at the very top that you plug in, and they send the heat all the way down. Absolutely cool, cool products. I'm getting them for all the members of my family for Christmas. Actionheat.com slash locked on. That's actionheat.com slash locked on. Get you 20% off at checkout. That's actionheat.com slash locked on. Check it out. They've got jackets, socks, gloves, hats, undergarments, base layer, all sorts of cool stuff for you. All right, Rudy, before we do points gained. Courtney Kirkland, to me, They'll never admit it. Courtney Kirkland's call on the opening tip was a 20-year NBA vet working with two other 20-year NBA vets saying, I heard you in Miami tell us that we suck every single night. Shut up. That's enough. And you can decide that that's Bush League and that officials should be bigger and better than that and all those things. Or you can decide that that is a guy who's being a leader to 45 referee teammates and saying, I got your back and we need to all have our back because everyone's killing us all the time. I don't care what you decide, but I think that's, that's up to you. The fact is, Rudy has put himself out there as the defensive player of the year, complaining about the officials on numerous occasions this year, and they now know it. And now Rudy has to shut up. Like, it's that simple. That was the message last night. And he didn't get it. He got baited. He bit. The league should not have officials baiting players. I agree. But that's what happened. That is the league saying, you are one of the most high-profile players in the league, and you're killing us, and we heard you. The flop, I think they just missed, and then Rudy snapped and probably should have been ejected for swiping this stuff off the table. Here's what's important going forward. Rudy now has a reputation. Like, that's clear. And so Rudy has to 
Rudy, you are responsible for your actions, and Rudy now has to deal with that fact. That's, and so this is the next step. The beauty thing about Rudy is, is all those personality qualities that led him to make that comment and that led him to react like that are the same personality traits that have made him great. We don't want to change that. He just now has to mature and handle it, and he knows it, and he'll do it, and every single time he's done something like this where his passion and commitment and energy has gotten the best of him, he has in the long run reacted correctly and rarely, if ever, that I can think of made the same mistake twice. So I'm not too worried about it, but this is where he is. This is the next step of his development. He now has to stop demonstratively complaining every time he gets held because they're watching for him. And he's not going to get calls. And he's not helping his own cause. And he's not helping his career. And he needs to start reacting differently. Okay? Like, that's just the reality of where Rudy is. You can decide whether you think Courtney Kirkland was right or wrong last night. I got my opinion on it. It's irrelevant. What's relevant is that Rudy has put himself in the official spotlight and now has to act accordingly. That's what's relevant. All right, let's do points gained. For you're new to the show, points gained is the metric, uh, proprietary metric system to this program, and it allows us, it's how we judge offensive, how I judge offensive players. Uh, the concept is that if an average player in the NBA used the same amount of scoring opportunities, how many more or less points do you score than the average player in the league? How many average points do you score more or less than the average player in the league? So the leader in the league after 15 games is Steph Curry. He's at a 6.0. We have never seen a number like this in the history of the game. If Steph Curry stays healthy, continues this, he is having the single greatest offensive season the league has ever had. Um, if you're new to the points gain number, every year we usually have one or two or three guys over three and about seven guys over two. And so it's about 10 guys. Um, about 10 guys in the league that are two or better on a given night. So it's on a night you score two more points than the average player if you did that. That's the level. We Steph was a 4.7 is the bet last year in the best uh, in the league. The year prior, uh, Durant was the best at 3.8. And in 15-16, uh, Steph was the best at 5.8 when he had one of the greatest seasons of all time. He is now at 6.0. The second best in the league is Kevin Durant at 3.5. So Steph is almost two times better than his teammate who's the best. The two of them are 9.5. It would take the three next, three or four next best players in the league to total up together to be able to get to them. We did this last week. We showed the value of what's happening with the value of the big man in the league offensively, and here it is again. The third most impactful offensive player in the league right now is, is Rudy Gobert. He's getting 11 scoring opportunities a night. He's scoring 2.9 points per game above the average player with those 11 scoring opportunities. Giannis Antetokounmpo is fourth at 2.8. John Collins in 10 games in Atlanta is next at second-year player 2.8. Pascal Siakam in Toronto having an incredible year is next at 2.8 as well. So those three guys all at 2.8. Clint Capella, Demotis Sabonis. Like these big guys... With the new rules, are getting to the rim, making plays at the rim at an incredibly high efficiency rate and impacting the game. And it's a huge deal to have one of them. LeBron, Indiana's Bojan Bonjanovic, Montrell's Harrell, James Harden, 
and Nikola Vukovic are the remaining players over two right now. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. We're getting basically the point we get. And we might stay at 13 this year because of the new insertion of big guys. Julius Randle's been great in New Orleans. Dwight Powell's been great in Dallas, worth mentioning. Part of the reason why they're probably better than anyone thinks. Danilo Gallinari having a fabulous year for the Clippers. Anthony Davis, Kawhi Leonard's all in this next group. Tobias Harris, guys you'd expect. Serge Ibaka, Carl Anthony Towns um, are all there. The hottest players in the league over the last 10 games, Steph Curry's only played three, but he's at eight point. Giannis is at 4.5. Clint Capella at 4.2. James Harden, 4.0. Didn't see him at last night. Durant, Eric Bledsoe in Milwaukee is on fire. Nikola Vukovic, Boyan Bonjanovic in Indiana. Anthony Davis. Jeremy Lin playing very well offensively in Atlanta. Jaron Jackson Jr. in Memphis. Incredible for a young kid to be there. Kawhi Leonard, Pascal Siakam. John Collins again. Jonas Valanciunas, LeBron James, Malcolm Brogdon, Rudy Gobert down. He's at a two point, just about regular 2.6 recently. Derek Rose, highly efficient, which is just so brand new. 47% from three. Uh, Danilo Gallinari, Nikolai Miritich, J.J. Redick. Let's look at the coldest players for the season and coldest players of the year. Uh, Trey Young, minus 2.8. Andrew Wiggins, minus 2.6. Kevin Knox, this is often where you hear the rookies' names, minus 2.3. Jonathan Simmons at minus 2.3. Avery Bradley at minus 2.2. Justice Winslow at minus 2.1. Eric Gordon at minus 2.0. Hollis Jefferson at minus 2.0. And D'Angelo Russell Minus 1.9. Frank Nilakina, who's not playing at minus 1.9. Mario Hazonia at 1.9 for the Knicks, so much of their team. Anyone surprising? Russell Westbrook at minus 1.7. Jalen Brown, minus 1.7. Not surprising they got better. Uh, Donovan Mitchell is at minus 1.7. Alan Crabb, minus 1.6. He gets torched today in um, the 10 things by Zach Lowe. Coldest players in the league? Trey Young, Andrew Wiggins, D'Angelo Russell, very similar names. Jamal Murray, interesting. Didn't realize that was going on in Denver. I have to use this as a way to judge who's playing well, who's not. Vince Carter, Kevin Knox, Andre Drummond suddenly really struggling, minus 2.4. That's interesting. Patrick Patterson, Oklahoma City, minus 2.3. Tyreek Evans and Josh Jackson. Lonzo Ball in L.A., minus 2.3. Russell Westbrook, minus 2.2. Shaquille Harrison's playing evidently in Chicago and not very good, and Rodney Magruder in Miami struggling after his hot start. Nikolai Jokic in Denver, minus 2.1. Wow. And they're still winning with both, with some of that. With Jamal Murray and Jokic both not playing well. Hmm. Alec is minus 2.0 in Cleveland. Lou Williams minus 2.1. All right, let's look at the Utah Jazz specifically, and then we'll wrap up the show. Thanks very much for tuning in today. Um, Rudy, over the last 10 games, is at 2.4. Favors, 1.8. Kyle, 1.6. Udo, 1.0. Ingles, 0.7. Neto, 0.3. Royce, 0.3. Ricky, 0.1. So everyone's... This is interesting. Jay Crowder's at point three, and the only guy that is below average that's in the regular rotation is Donovan at minus one. Dante's at minus 1.3 in the last 10 games, but that's a huge change of where the offense is coming that if you suddenly just get all... That's what we need. 
Donovan's got to get to average, but we just got to get most of our guys at average. And frankly, Donovan at minus one using 24 scoring opportunities tonight is not terrible because we don't have another high usage player who is able to do that. And so Donovan uses, I think it's 18 scoring opportunities tonight actually, Hast is the one who uses those and, you know, we someone's got to do it. Um, and so if he's only minus one and everybody else is positive, then you're going to become an above-average offensive team. Uh, you'd like If Donovan can get even, then that would be terrific. For the season, Rudy's 2.9, Faves 1.5, Corver 1.0, Ingles 0.6, Udo, Neto both 0.5, and then Cephalosha's minus 0.2, Jay's minus 0.4, Dante's minus 0.8, Ricky's minus 1.1, and Donovan's minus 1.7. So all those negatives have picked up a little bit to make the Jazz a bit better. I hope you have a great weekend. I'll talk to you Sunday from San Antonio. This has been Locked on Jazz. We will give you postcast after the game. Locked on NBA has Sam Amick and Anthony Irwin today and should be a really good one. Have a great day. Thanks very much for tuning in. Hi guys, this is Josh Lloyd, host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. The NBA is back, so that means that fantasy basketball is back in one form or another. We've got daily fantasy, but there's also some fantasy leagues with the resumption of play with these eight regular season games in Orlando, and Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to have you covered. It's not just for fantasy basketball, though, because we recap all of the games across the NBA, so if you're looking for a broad overview of the action across the league every day, Locked On Fantasy Basketball is the podcast for you.